Hey, uh, if you haven't met me yet, um, it's probably because you haven't seen me this year <laughs> or even last year. My name is Pastor Jason. I'm the campus pastor at our Middleton campus. The last time I was here on a Sunday, it was um, June of last summer, I think, because we were on Saturday nights for a year and then, uh, and then we were able to get back into the school this summer and we started back on Sundays. And so, man, can we just um, all take a deep breath and just go, Man, it has been a week of craziness, has it not? Uh, I don't know about you and your life or kind of what's going on, but it has been crazy up in my house. Um, just some just wild things have happened. And so um, I just as we get started, a, a couple of messages to pass along. Um, Pastor Keith is obviously not here today, and, and Tony and Abby and, and Will and Wendy are not here today. And, 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 and if they were here, I know that they would want to say to you, thank you for your prayers. Your prayers have carried them along this last week. They have sustained them and they are grateful and thankful to be a part of such a great body of believers as Grace Bible Church. And so from them to you, let me say thank you, okay? Um, and then let's just address something else. Man, hey, do me a favor. If you are under the age of 12, raise your hand. Yeah, that's awesome. So parents, if you have kids with you today in the service and, and they're not normally in the service today, trust me, I've got little kids. Well, I mean, my youngest is nine, my oldest is 16. So they average out to about four years in age because he's a 16-year-old boy in high school. <laughs> he's not here, so I can say that. Um, I, trust me, I get that there's gonna be a moment in the service where your, your little one's making noise, they're being wiggly, and it's gonna stress you out. You got to know it does not bother me. It doesn't bother anybody else in this room, okay? So I just want you to just stop and engage and just set aside everything else. It's going to be okay, I promise. And kids, if you're under 12, everybody, all those kids look at me, okay? I promise that I'm talking to you today, okay? I'm going to say things that you understand and it's going to make sense to you and you'll be able to go home and talk to mom and dad about it, okay? And then if you're watching online and you've got kiddos today, man, just make sure they're sitting down with you and engage as we worship. It's going to be an amazing, an amazing day. Um, so let's dive in, right? Luke 24, Acts chapter one. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn there? And we're gonna dive into those in just a minute. But before we do, I just have a question. Anybody here like to wait? Nobody? Yeah, you? Okay, I saw your hand. She's like, daddy just called on me. I, I highly dislike to wait. I can't stand waiting Waiting is, uh, to me, sometimes it can be one of the most pointless things. There are things that I wish I could just snap my fingers and just have them happen immediately. You guys get what I'm feeling? Some of you that know me, or you've, at least you've known me for the last four or five years, standing up here, you may be like, man, you're half the man you used to be, and not quite half, but um, this morning, if you don't follow me on, on Facebook or anything, like we're not friends yet, uh, you won't know, this will be news to you, but this morning, um, I weighed in on the scale down 60 pounds in the last 12 weeks. Yeah, and I, I don't, I thank you for your applause. I don't do that to get a, a applause. I get this to make a point. Like if I, could, if I could just snap my fingers and make that happen, that would have been awesome for me. Or if I could just snap my fingers and lose the last 40 pounds that I wanna lose, that would be even better. But what I found is that change that happens immediately doesn't really last very long. See, there's just something about change that happens in a season of waiting. And really, ultimately, what, it, what happens and what depends upon is, is what kind of waiter you are. 
And I fluctuate between two. There's really, I think, two types of waiting. One is the person that stands in front of the microwave and taps their foot because a minute and 30 seconds is too long to heat up my chicken nuggies. I told you I'd talk to you today, kids, didn't I? Right, we get frustrated. We're like, oh, come on. And then we, and then we open it, it dings, and we open the refrigerator, and we grab it, and we take a bite, and it's ice cold. And we're like, are you kidding me? I've got to wait another minute and 30 seconds? I wait like that. I have seasons where I wait like that. And then I have seasons uh, of waiting where uh, there was a, a time that my my wife, we, we rushed my wife to the hospital with stroke-like symptoms. She, she deals with migraines and, and thank God we, we through some medicine and some, and some doctors and some science have, have dialed it in. But, but there, was a, there was a time about four years ago when my son, who at the time was 12, called and said, Dad, mom's collapsed on the, on the couch and she can't talk. And, and we rush her into the hospital and the doctors are running the tests and there's tubes and there's wires and there's all that kind of stuff. And I'm just sitting there just going like a bump on a log. Does that resonate with you? Are there seasons where you find yourself in life just... Or, or maybe there's actually a third type of waiting. You're the, the kind of person that, that you do everything in your power to speed the waiting process up. So like, so this morning we kind of find ourselves in one of three places, right? Like you're, you're really the impatient waiter. You're just tapping your foot while at the microwave, just waiting for the food to get done faster so you can eat. Or you're the person that just, when, when you find yourself in a season of waiting, you just sit there and you don't do anything. Or maybe you're that third type of person that you, you try and navigate and, and you force the season of waiting to, to end so you can get on to the next thing. And here's what's important in tantamount to today and to today's scripture is that those are all the wrong way to wait. Do you understand and realize that there's a, a biblical godly way to waiting? there's a biblical godly way that, that sees you in your waiting grow and develop a trust and a faith that's deeper and stronger than if you didn't have to have that season of waiting. The disciples went through it at the end of, uh, at the end of Luke 24 and at the, the beginning of Acts 1. And if you haven't been with us, and maybe this is your, your first Sunday and you're not sure where we're at in this series. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at what the church was in, in Acts chapter 1 and, and the mission that we've been given um, by Jesus uh, uh, to be witnesses for him in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And if you're like, where's Jerusalem? It's your streets. If you're like, where am I supposed to first be a witness? It's at your street, it's your, it's your neighbors, it's your, it's your family, it's your friends, it's your coworkers. That's the, the first place that you're to be a witness. And then last week we looked at the power by which we're able to do those things. And, and, and that's and it's Acts chapter one, verse eight, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you receive power, right? To be my witnesses. We, Pastor Keith broke that down last week for you and I did for, for Middleton. But, but if we, we look at Luke 24, we're going to look at Luke 24 first, and we're going to look at just a few verses, 49. And it says this, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. And we read this last week, right? But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Say that with me. But stay in the city. 
If you underline, maybe you want to underline that. But, but, but stay in the city. Don't, don't move, but stay in the city. Don't go anywhere. And then at Acts chapter 1, Jesus says this to them. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise from the Father. So, so just pause really quick with me, right? We've got Jesus who's, who's been hanging out with them for 40 days after being crucified, buried, and then risen from the dead. Hangs out with them for 40 days and then he ascends into heaven. And before he leaves, he says to them, I just want you to go back to Jerusalem and just stop and just wait. And then I'm going to send a gift. It's going to be power from on high. It's going to be the, the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the conversation that they had as they were walking back to Jerusalem? We know when we read that they, they went back rejoicing and praising God. But man, can you just, like John looking at Peter and going like, dude, like you there's the power, like what's gonna come? Just a, a few verses earlier, he says that you're gonna be able to do greater things than I am because you have the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the, the conversation that's taking place among the disciples? And Jesus says, hey, this is gonna be incredible. This is gonna be awesome. I'm gonna build my church, right? We talked about it two weeks ago and the gates of hell aren't gonna be able to stand against it. But before you do that, just Wait. I don't like waiting. Nobody likes waiting, right, kids? We don't want to eat our lunch. We want, to eat, we want to eat dessert first, don't we? We want to get to the good stuff, right? That's what we want to do. We want dessert. You, come on. I've lost 60 pounds. I had my fair share of dessert, y'all. I know what I'm talking about. But Jesus says, wait. And there's a reason for it. Because when we wait the right way, we find a whole host of change happens in our life. Now listen. There's a right way and there's a wrong way to wait. And today we're going to look at the right way. We're going to look at three things that you and I need to do in the midst of waiting. They're going to help us during that season and not just help us get through, but help us grow while we're in that season of waiting. And we're going to learn from the disciples who were in a season of waiting because Jesus told them to just stay and wait. And so we pick up our reading in Acts chapter 1, verse 12. And it says, and then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, about a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying. They had a place that they had gathered that they were staying. And, and there was Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and, and Matthew and James, the son of Alphaeus and, and Simon the Zealot and Judas, the son of James. Can you imagine, right, when, when this book was being written and, and they're getting the list through, can you imagine Judas, the son of James, going, make sure you put the son of James because I don't want to be confused with the other guy. And so we, we look and we see in that verse, we see the first step to waiting and it's that we surround ourselves with believers. We, we, we surround ourselves with, with other Jesus followers. That's the, the first step. That's the first thing that you write on your sermon guide is that we surround ourselves with other believers. We, we, we understand the importance of this. We, 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 we don't isolate because isolation leads to seclusion and seclusion leads to doubt and, and doubt leads to destruction. 
it leads to, to mental and spiritual and emotional destruction. Com community is so important, y'all. Listen, when, when you find yourself in isolation, you, you put yourself in an echo chamber and you begin to hear your own thoughts and your own emotions about where you should go and what you should do. And, and in case you didn't know this, I'm gonna give you a little public service announcement. Your emotions lie to you. If you're using your heart as the steering wheel of your life, it is the worst possible thing to guide your life by. Your emotions lie to you, your heart above all else. As Gandalf says in Lord of the Rings, is deceitful. Now, thanks be to God, right? I've been transformed. But my emotions lead me in this echo chamber when I isolate myself. And I find myself in this place of not believing that the promises of God are true because I can't see myself out of this, this season of waiting. That's why community is so important. Because when you, you find yourself in this place where what in the world's gonna happen? Think about the disciples. There's 11 of them sitting in the upper room. They get, Jesus has been crucified, buried. He's risen again. He's walked around. And now he's gone. And he said, just wait. And now they're looking at each other in the upper room like, how long do I have to wait? How long is this gonna take? How do we know if it's the promise from the Holy Spirit? What is it? How do we know? What does it look like? How are we going to know when it happens? And doubt begins to creep in. And John begins to look around and go, man, I don't know. Maybe we should go out. What should we start doing, right? And Peter says, no, we just wait, right? He reminds him of the promise of God. That's why community is so important for you. Kids, listen to me. That's why it's important that you have friends that you go to church with. Because when life gets hard at school and, and you don't understand, like, what's going on? Your friends will come around you and mom and dad will come to you and they'll remind you that the promises of God are true even when they don't feel like they're true in your life. Maybe you get a bad grade on a test at school. Maybe you get a bad report from the doctor. Maybe you put a bid on a job that you didn't get and you're not sure how you're gonna pay the bills next week. Maybe the doctor calls with bad news and the Doubt and the fear begins to set in. That's when you surround yourself with other believers because they're gonna remind you that the promises of God are true in your life even when they don't feel like it. If you're watching at home and you're like, how long is this gonna last? I wanna be around people. The promises of God are true for you. It doesn't matter where you're at or what you're going through, what season of life you're in, how long you've been waiting, or how much longer you're gonna to have to wait. The promises of God are true. And community reminds us of that. We keep reading in verse 14. And all these with one accord, pause, just one second. This isn't anywhere on your notes, but I just wanna address this because I feel like we live in a country full of discord. Not accord, we're full of discord. And so you're like, what does that mean? Does that mean we have to agree on everything? No, it does not mean we have to agree on everything. But we can disagree without being disagreeable. Can I give you an example right now today that it might ruffle some feathers? Are you ready? Everybody's attention. It's like, what's he about to say? Online, respond in the chat if you agree or disagree with me. Live audience here in the room, you'll probably just boo at me, okay? The Dallas Cowboys are the greatest football team in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
We can disagree without being disagreeable, right? I can go, man, I, I love like some Shane and Shane. I love some contemporary worship music. And I love Shane and Shane and their worship initiative and how they just take scripture, right? They just take a, a psalm and they just put it to music and they just sing it. I love the, some of the songs that we sang this morning that, that are a little bit older, that are a little bit more traditional. You find in, in a hymnal, the, 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 those anchors of worship, right, that we, we turn to in deep crisis of faith. How great thou art. What a beautiful description of God and who he is. And some of you may be on this side, like I like contemporary more than I like old school hymns. And some of you may be like, I like old school hymns more than I like contemporary music. But you know what? That's okay. We can disagree without being disagreeable. One accord doesn't mean we have to agree on everything all the time, but it means that we're not, we're not fighting. We're not shooting uh, shots across the bow on social media. We're not slamming other people. The love of Christ defines who we are, not our stance on this issue or that issue. Can't get off my soapbox. Continuing in 14, so they were all these with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. All right, so we see something, right? So we see more people coming into the picture. We've got the, the 11, they were there, they were in the upper room, they were with one accord, they were surrounding themselves with believers and then Mary, the mother of Jesus and then the women that were there, that, you know, Mary Magdalene and the, those others that, that saw the tomb was empty on the day of the resurrection and then Jesus' brothers have now joined the group and they're doing what? The second step that you should do if you find yourself in a season of waiting, they were devoting themselves to prayer. That's the second thing that, that, that you need to do if you find yourself in a season of waiting. And so I bet if I asked kids, and kids, don't listen to me, don't answer this question, just think about it and then talk to mom and dad about it after service. I, and I'm not preaching at you because I'm guilty of this, okay, y'all? I'm not swinging a hammer. I'm, I'm shining a light on myself. If you ask my kids the last time that I prayed with them, they'll tell you it was at dinner last night. And if you said, does your daddy ever pray with you outside of dinner? I am ashamed to say that the answer is probably gonna be no if you ask my kids. Now I do, but it's so few and far between that they don't remember it. Listen, church, if you find yourself in a season of waiting, if you find yourself in a, in a season of doubt or struggle, the first thing that you should do is surround yourself with believers. And the second thing that you should do is you should devote yourself to prayer. See, prayer is all about communication with God, not communication to God. I grew up most of my life thinking that prayer was just me telling God all of my problems and everything that was wrong and how I wanted him to solve those problems. But what I've learned in my older years as I've gotten a little bit older and I've actually applied prayer to my life is that I found that most of the time prayer for me looks like this. Isn't it amazing what you can hear when you quit talking? Every rustle of paper, the cooing of a baby, your neighbor's breath, 
your own heartbeat. Man, you want to the heartbeat of God? Just be quiet and listen. Just give him a moment to talk. Quit telling him all of your problems. He knows them all. Quit telling him how to solve your problems. He probably thinks you're a pretty good stand-up comic. He knows the best way to solve the issue that you're in right now. He knows the best way to solve your problem of waiting. He doesn't need you to tell him how to do it. Remember, prayer is communication with God. It's not communication at or to God. It's not just you talking to him all the time. You'd be like, okay, Pastor Jason, so I get that. So I'm gonna, I'll be quiet, but how do I listen to God? Like I've never heard God audibly speak to me. So, so what does that look like? How do I hear the voice of God? Like, how do, I, how do I hear what he would have me do in a season of waiting? What does that look like? I'm glad that you asked because it's step three on your sermon guide today. And it's this, you devote yourself to the word of God. Like, guys, I can go to seminary. Like, I'm not like, I mean, it's just plain and simple, right? I just read what was written in the thing and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And I wrote it down. Right, look at it with me. In verse 15, and in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of the persons was in all about 120 and said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. I'm, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go into all of the rest of that, and I'm not gonna read the rest of it, but but what we get right is, is the first thing they do is they surround themselves with believers, then they devote themselves to prayer, and then the very next thing that they do, right, Peter gets up and starts starts preaching out of the word. He begins to, to remind them, hey guys, we know that this had to happen. Jesus told it was gonna happen happened. The, the scriptures through David promised that it was going to happen. Here we're, we're the fulfillment of what scripture said was going to happen. They, get, they go back to the word of God and they begin talking about it. They begin dwelling on it. So if you find yourself praying and, and listening to God, you're like, how do I hear the voice of God? I mean, get in his word, devote yourself to the word of God. And we're gonna get uncomfortable here for just a couple of minutes because if you really wanna devote yourself to the word of God, it's gonna require you to do a couple of things and it's gonna require some discipline in your life. Every kid sitting in the audience just looked up at me because discipline for a kid is a bad word. Right, we, we, we ate all the candy and mom and dad said not to eat the candy and then we got in trouble, we got some discipline, right? Well, here's the thing, kids. Discipline is actually a good thing. See, what discipline is, is discipline is living our life by a set of principles and not by our emotions. See, the undisciplined person only lives by their emotions, but the disciplined person lives their life by sets of principles. And if you want to divert, devote yourself to God, it's going to take a couple of things. It's going to take a couple of practical disciplines in your life. And the first is this, and there's not a place on your sermon guide for this, but there is a big blank right there after that third line. You can write these down if you want to. I would suggest that you write them down. But, but the first thing that you have to do, if you're going to, if you're going to devote yourself to word of God, the, the first thing you have to do is you actually have to discipline yourself to opening the word of God. How, how can you be devoted to it if you never open it, if you never read it, if, if Sunday is the only day that you ever open this thing up, how can you be devoted to it? 
You're not devoted to it. It's just a prop to make you look good in front of everybody else. And listen, I, and again, I'm not preaching at you, I'm talking to you. If this thing is the primary way by which you, uh, which you ingest the word of God, man, you have to be super disciplined. Listen, this thing is how I check football scores. This thing is how I check social media. This thing is how I check my retirement account. This thing is how I check the weather and, and news and all of those things. This thing takes up more time playing Angry Birds than anything. I just waste time on this thing. And I'll sit down and, and, and guys, listen, I'm doing it. I know exactly, it's on the second screen. It's in the little box that's called reference. It's on the left-hand side. It's the second one down. And there's two things in that box. And the Bible app is the second list. And you know, I flip over, I hit it, I could do it, probably do it with my eyes closed. And there it is, you version. And I'll sit down in the morning at 6.15 and I'll pull it up and I'll start reading. And you know what happens? Like within 30 seconds, I'm on Fox News or I'm on CNN or I'm checking the weather for the day or I'm checking this or I'm checking that. And you may be able to, to pick up your phone or your iPad or something like that. And, and you, may be able to, you may be able to ingest God's word that way. And if you can and you have the discipline, that is awesome. But listen, if you're like me and you sat down to do your quiet time on your phone or your digital device and every day you do it, you find yourself not doing your quiet time, not studying the word of God. You have a problem. Quit using your phone. Go get a physical Bible because you know what you can't do in here? I can't see what people are saying about me on social media. But you know what I can see? I can see what the God of the universe says about me. And he says that I'm bought and I'm redeemed and I'm his child. If you, I can read that it says that I'm a co-heir of Christ. I can't check my bank account, but I can see that I've been blessed with every blessing in the heavenly realms. Quit using your phone. Open up a Bible. All right, soapbox done, sorry. The second thing that you're gonna have to do if you're gonna practice the discipline of being devoted to God's word is this, that you have to practice the discipline of memorizing God's word. And this one might be a little uncomfortable, but I'm not good at that, Pastor Jason. I guarantee you if I got a microphone and I said, all right, let's just get a line right here. And I want you to come up and I want you to quote one verse. Probably, I mean, I don't know. Like John three sixteen is probably gonna be a pretty good guess, right? And if I had to guess, I'd say like 80 to 90% of the people in here could quote John 3.16. So we learned it when we were like nine, right? In Sunday school, everybody knows it. We saw it written on signs at the, in the end zones when the Cowboys are scoring all those touchdowns they score. <laughs> in third service, we have an entire program designed to teach your kids how to memorize the word of God. There's a reason the Bible says teach a child the way they should go and when they're old, they will not depart from it. I cannot tell you how many times I have come back over and over and over and over and over again to things that I've memorized in the past that I need in the moment. Galatians 2.24, I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. When I'm stuck in that moment of trying to make a decision, am I gonna do this thing or am I gonna do this thing? And the thing over here is the wrong thing. And this is the right thing. And in that moment, the temptation is great. Galatians 2.20 comes to mind. For I've been crucified with Christ. 
And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. If you want to be devoted to the word of God, you must practice the discipline of memorizing God's word. I believe it so much in my core that I'm going to put myself on the line right now in front of you and anybody that's watching online, you have full permission. I have made a deal with my kids, my older two kids. I said, listen, if by December 31st of this year, you can do this, I'm going to pull out my bank card and I'm going to hand it to you and you can go anywhere you want to go eat. I don't care where you want to go eat, go anywhere. I don't care what it costs. You can have it. It's yours. And they're already talking about Ruth's Chris, so this might be a bad thing. <laughs> and I said, if you can do it, you get the card. If I can't do it, you get the card. And we chose together, my older two kids and I, to memorize the book of Colossians this year. Now, I'm putting myself on the line. I'm making it a public statement. So when you guys see me walking around the office or if I'm here on a Sunday or something like that, I get to teach. I'll be here this summer in a series that we're doing. You can go, hey, where are you at in the book of Colossians? You can, you, can, you can call me out on social media and go, hey, Pastor Jason, how far along are you in the book of Colossians? Because I'm telling you, man, there's, probably, there's like a pretty significant meal riding on this thing. But that's how much I believe it deep in my core. Right? I remember, I know from scripture that, that Jesus is the firstborn among creation. He's the image of the invisible God. He's before all things and in him all things hold together. You, the Bible says that about Jesus, that your life is held together by his power. You realize that? So when life doesn't go your way and you're like, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna fix this problem? How am I gonna solve this issue? It doesn't matter because it's held together by his power and in his strength and through his blood, not anything that you do, it's all done by Jesus. And here's the third thing that you have to do under this devoting yourself to the word of God. And it's this, is that you have to practice the discipline of talking about the word of God. This may be an internal question for you husbands and wives, but man, husbands, when's the last time you just sat down and prayed with your wife and you talked about what you were studying in God's word? My wife was here first service. And I said then, it's probably been like two weeks. And she corrected me afterwards. She's like, it's been more like a month. If you want to be devoted to the word of God, you've got to be disciplined to open it. You have to be disciplined to memorize it. And you have to be disciplined to talk about it. Just talk about the word of God. Just talk. And this is what I studied. This is what I learned. This is amazing. What do you think about that? Well, guys, I was, I was reading and, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to be some big theological thing. Oh, I'm not a big theological person. I just like to talk about the word of God. I was reading this and this and the other day and I just, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what do you think that means? And my wife, well, we'll talk about it and she'll talk about it. And then the kids will walk in, man, you want to, dude, you want some great biblical insight to something? Ask your eight, nine or 10 year old what they think about a section of scripture. Man, they will give you some deep theological perspective that you're like, man, I didn't see that. And the reason they're able to do this is because they don't have to worry about anything. They just get to read God's word, right? They just get to read it and love it. And it's awesome. Talk about the word of God. Practice memorizing the word of God. Just pick one verse and just memorize it. And just quote it over and over and over and over again. If you need one, let me, I, I better look this up, man. I, this is nowhere on my notes, but I can't escape this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
Romans 6.3. If you want to memorize a verse and you're like, I don't even know where to start, start in Romans 6.3, okay? Write this down, Romans 6.3. Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Just memorize that. You were you baptized into Jesus Christ. You, you are a child of God because of what Jesus did for you. Just go pick any verse and go memorize it. Just anything and go memorize it. It doesn't matter what it is. Just go pick a verse and go memorize it. And then talk about it with your neighbors and your kids as you get up in the morning and as you go to bed at night. Just let it be a part of your everyday vernacular. As the the worship team gets ready to, to come back out and begin to play us out. I, I just want to go back to this idea of waiting. You know, part of the way that I've lost my weight is I'm on this, this, this diet that provides food for me. And some of the ways that I cook that food is in the microwave. And when I was single and in college, I ate a lot of microwave meals. And you know what I found eating microwaved meals? Faster doesn't always mean better. <laughs> Faster doesn't always mean better. But what I do know, and it's a big point, if you don't hear anything else I say today, church, if you hear nothing else I say today, hear this, that waiting means worshiping. If you can find a way and you're waiting to worship by surrounding yourself with believers, by committing yourself to prayer, by, by devoting yourself to the word of God through practicing those three disciplines, if you can find a way to do that, if you can find a way to worship in your waiting, then I promise you, you'll have a place to put all of your hurt, all of your doubts, and all of your worry because the God of the universe doesn't waste a moment of your life. So Father God, as we close, as we stand here in this place, as we are grateful for who you are and what you've done, Jesus, would you help us in waiting? God, would you help us in this, this season of waiting of whatever it is, whatever we're waiting on, God, would you help us find a way to navigate, not through the waiting, but find, help us find a way to navigate ourselves to you and at your feet as we wait. God, help us to put into practice the things that we've learned from Acts chapter one today, Father. God, we are so grateful for who you are and for what you've done. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you in your precious and holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for being here. I just wanna remind you that step one of our Next Steps classes is not tonight, but it's next week. So if you haven't signed up for that yet, there is still time. Go out in the hallway and see Jim Eisen Traeger as you make your way out and we'll get you signed up for that. Go in his grace and peace. Have a wonderful day, church.